This is the Special Needs Family Hour with Julie Ames. Brought to you by Special Needs Family Hour, Inc. For the next hour, we'll be discussing the particular challenges and real-life solutions for families with special needs. If you found us, please know that you are not alone. To find out more, go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. Now, here is your host, Julie Ames, on AM860, The Answer. Thanks for listening today to the Special Needs Family Hour. I'm Julie Ames on AM860, The Answer. Our show is dedicated to helping those parents and caregivers who are caring for special people. The theme of the show is the essay, Welcome to Holland, by Emily Pearl Kingsley. Kingsley describes the experience of raising a child with a disability. It's like planning a fabulous vacation trip to Italy, only to realize that your plane has landed in Holland. Holland isn't a bad place. It's just a different place. So you must go out buy a new guidebook, learn a whole new language, and meet a whole new group of people you would never have met. Holland is a code word for living life with those with disabilities. My hope and prayer is that the challenges we all face in Holland will make us better people. It has been an interesting time for us in Holland. Our oldest two daughters, Maria and Christina, are on the autism spectrum and have intellectual disabilities. Our youngest daughter, Anna, is in college. Last week, Christina ended up at the hospital via ambulance. We couldn't get our seizures to stop. We have emergency medications and at some point you have to call 911 this is the first time in nine years that we had to call the ambulance because we couldn't get her seizures to stop they released her that evening she's doing much better and with the guidance of her neurologist we are in the process of changing and adjusting her medications. so right now we're on the second adjustment for her medications we have an awesome show today. Our guest is Alder Allensworth. She is the author of the recently published book, Prevail, Celebrate the Journey. Prevail is Alder's story from her diagnosis of a rare and usually fatal cancer. It follows her through her sailing expedition from Florida to Maine to raise money and awareness for sailors with disabilities. Um, finally, to the creation of a nonprofit selling organization, Sellability Greater Tampa Bay, that provides instruction and recreation to people of all ages and abilities. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM 860 The Answer. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. To reach Julie or any of the guests on today's show, call 813-816-2637. That's 813-816-2637. Or go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Special Needs Family Hour with Julie Ames on AM860, The Answer. To contact Julie, go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. That's specialneedsfamilyhour.com. Now, here's Julie Ames. Hi, I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM 860, The Answer. I'm here with Alder Allensworth, the author of the recently published book, Prevail, Celebrate the Journey. She is also the co-founder of a nonprofit sailing organization, Sailability Greater Tampa Bay, that provides sailing instruction and recreation to people of all ages and abilities. Hi, Alder. Hey, Julie. I love reading your book. Uh, please introduce yourself to our audience. Tell them a little bit about your, your background. Okay, well, thank you so much for having me here, Julie. This is just such an honor. Yes. Um, my background, my dad taught me to sail, and it became my passion. It was just a place where I felt close to God. Um, sailing just became just such an important part of my life. 
when I was diagnosed with cancer in 1990, I took to sailing for my rehab. Right. And I was asked by a sailing organization that served people with disabilities to sail a 12-foot boat from St. Pete, Florida to Camden, Maine. Amazing. And that was part of um, a fundraising effort and an awareness-raising effort for people with disabilities and sailors with disabilities. Yes. So I did the trip, and some things happened. We'll discuss this a little (laughs) bit later in the program. And I wanted to write a book about it. I also wanted to write a book about my journey through cancer. Yes. And when I was caring for my father, I had to quit my job. He had had a stroke, and it was end of life, Mm. and I was at home. And I had to care for him, and I couldn't really leave the house. Right. So that was the perfect opportunity to sit down and start writing the book, and it just flowed. Never having done this before, I happened to see a writing contest through Richter Publishing, and she was asking for manuscripts. So I submitted my manuscript, having no idea whether I would win the contract or not, and I was awarded the contract and was a 2017 winner for the Richter Publishing Writing Contest. So that's kind of how Prevail Celebrate the Journey came about. Well, I loved the book. I learned so much about sailing. Uh, My (laughs) husband is from north of Camden, Maine. Mm -hmm. So immediately I was into the story. And as you you spoke about cancer, I was amazed because I was just amazed at how your life has taken different turns. And I thought it was interesting because we start off where you're diagnosed with a cancer and all you had found was a pencil eraser sized tumor right below your eyebrow, correct? Correct. Okay, and then at that point, at that point in your life, you were windsurfing. Correct. And you were competing. Mm -hmm. See, you're, I mean, you're really an amazing athlete. So you're windsurfing, you're competing windsurfing because you said sailboats cost too much, right? Yes, they were too much. (laughs) I I never knew that. When I saw all those people windsurfing, I never realized that that was, that could be part of the Mm -hmm. factors of the windsurfing. But you competed in that. And so it's during this time, you majored in music therapy. Correct. And your best friend, Sean, correct, at what twenty eight got yeah, a rare disease. At twenty eight, she was her alarm went off to get up for work. She went to get out of bed and hit the floor. Wow! And that was it. She had something called transverse myelitis, and this virus attacked her spinal cord high up in her cervical region. Yes. And her immune system attacked the virus and destroyed part of her spinal cord. So now she has what they call incomplete quadriplegia. She has some use of her four extremities, but the strength is very spotty. Yes. So what is just interesting. So your best friend, this is your best friend. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter because you and Sean keep doing things, going on vacations, whatever. Then at 30... You're diagnosed with your cancer. Yeah. And Sean's the one who's picking you up at the hospital. But tell them a little bit about your cancer. 
Okay. And I'm a little picky. I like to call it the cancer. Oh, I know I that don't from like the book. I'm sorry. It. That's, that's right. okay. And that's a good point. Vocabulary and language is so important. And you're right. It is the cancer. Yeah. So, I don't like to own the stuff. Yes. So um, I had gotten an MRI. They saw the tumor, removed the tumor was sent off for pathology, and we all thought, no problem, it's not cancer. Right. Well, the diagnosis came back, and it was adenocystic carcinoma of the lacrimal gland, and at that time I was said that I was number 80 documented in the world. Wow. It's extremely rare cancer. My father was a Navy dentist, Mm -hmm. and he had a colleague who was in the medical corps who knew through his son, who married this man's daughter. Amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. How I life shouldn't is connected. say it wasn't total coincidence. Right. <laughs> and he was the pathologist at MD Anderson who did the lacrimal gland pathology. They were able to talk. And through that and other research we did, the best course of action was to have the whole left eye taken out along with the eye socket and everything to get all the cancer cells. Right. And what's amazing about this is they didn't expect you to survive. No. Nobody had survived this disease. And there are only two doctors that did this operation, one in London and one in Miami. Correct. So it is very amazing that you're Mm -hmm. that you did have a connection to this doctor. Yes. And that the doctor in Miami was recommended because He was close. Yes. And, and was, he did what he needed to do. I was really hoping not to have to lose an eye. And gosh, I was in my early 30s yes. and not married and single. And, yes. you know, our physical, there's a little vanity there. Yes. Yes. But he basically said, we got to do this. And this is your only chance to survive. And I'm so grateful to him. Yes. Because I have survived. Yes, well, you've more than survived. (laughs) So after all this, she's sailing, and you found that windsurfing was hard because you no longer had depth perception. Perception, correct. Because it it takes two eyes to be able to do that. Correct. But you started sailing again. Yes, I started sailing with friends, Yes, and then I bought my own double-handed boat so I could compete again. And a friend of mine, she sailed with me, and she was just a fabulous sailor, and we cleaned up. We had a great time. Yes. And then Sean, uh, Sean helped you when you had your surgery. Correct. So she was down there in Miami. Of course, your parents were there, but it was Sean picking you up from the hospital and Mm -hmm. helping you out. And I just thought, I think it's neat, because that one trip, you were talking about a trip that you took with Sean. It was on your bucket list. And the resort actually made ramps for Sean Mm -hmm. and did everything. Yeah, Sean is a wheelchair user, and she just retired from working 27 years at the VA as a music therapist. We were both music therapists together. And she decided she wanted to learn scuba dive. So we did, and we went on some fabulous scuba diving trips, me with one eye and she in a wheelchair, but it didn't stop us. Yeah, see, um, it was funny, because earlier we were laughing about, I don't think you let anything slow you down, and you said (laughs) you agreed with me that you didn't, and that was the feeling of the the book, and Mm -hmm. I thought it was interesting how you went to Key West Mm -hmm. for 
two years, but you had to wait because the doctor had said that your eyebrow was lower than it should be, and he was going to have to do surgery. Mm -hmm. But he said, let's see if you live two years. Right. That was kind of disheartening. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I'll fix it if you live longer than two years. It's like, oh, my God. And it's so matter of fact. Yes. I don't know. I guess... If that's your job, right? You mm-hmm. and sometimes it's better just to be up front. But oh my goodness! Well, surgeons aren't always known for their bedside manner, but yes. over the years, yes. as I've gotten to know him and he's gotten to know me, he's just a fabulous man. Yes, yes. So, all right. So you're in Key West, somewhere in there, you hear a voice that tells you about mm-hmm. cancer, right? I had what I would call a spiritual experience. Okay. I had been cleaning my little apartment out. I was working for a dive shop, teaching diving, and I was working at Dolphins Plus, doing dolphin experiences with people, and working as a therapist. Yes. And I was just cleaning my house one day, and it was just like something, a voice just out of the blue just basically said do you want to live or die Hmm. and it was like whoa and this happened so fast for me it just time kind of stops during an experience like that and it was like well if you die it's no big deal you know you're going to go to heaven and it's going to be beautiful and it's going to be good it might be a little painful going through the process but <laughs> right you know it will be okay and if you live there will be challenges yes and it was like do you want vanilla ice cream or chocolate ice cream it was kind of that matter of fact right that there is life after death yes and i'm always up for a challenge so yes. i said you know I'll live. Wow. It was like, okay, and that was it. Well, and I've never had that experience since. No, see, I found that fascinating. I had it one time. I was oh. driving on this, and this is not spiritual. I just, I was driving on Bruce B. Down. I just, I knew I had to turn on my radio that an animal could come out. It was in a heavily wooded area mm-hmm. that something, a bird might fly out. Sure enough, something big hit my window. I couldn't see where it went, but but it was a it was it was yeah it was something telling me. I mean, I'm not mm-hmm. that intuitive, so I found that fascinating that that is part of your story, and the spirituality. Sometimes when people think about spirituality and God, they think it's I don't know, it's so much more deeper. I I don't know what the word is. When you think of something, you don't expect that to happen while you're cleaning your house. No, you don't. Right. And you expect something like that to happen after maybe you've gone through some kind of big ritual or you cleansing or whatever. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right, right. But I believe that we are guided all the time. We just don't always listen. Oh, that is so true. Well, why don't we take a break there, and we'll continue this conversation on the other side. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM 860, The Answer. I'm here with Alder Allensworth, the author of the recently published book, Prevail, Celebrate the Journey. To reach Julie or any of the guests on today's show, call 813-816-2637. That's 813-816-2637. Or go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. We'll be right back. 
Welcome back to the Special Needs Family Hour with Julie Ames on AM860, The Answer. To contact Julie, go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. That's specialneedsfamilyhour.com. Now, here's Julie Ames. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM 860, The Answer. I am here with Alder Allensworth, the author of the recently published book, Prevail, Celebrate the Journey. She is also the co-founder of a nonprofit selling organization, Sellability Greater Tampa Bay, that provides sailing instruction and recreation to people of all ages and abilities. So we've just been discussing her journey with cancer. You're at the point where your doctor says, if you live two years, we're going to fix your eyebrow so it'll be even with the other eyebrow. So what happens then? You're in Key West, Key Largo. What happens then? Well, I do get my eyebrow fixed because I did live two years and I knew I was going to beat this and that I was going to live because I had made my decision. Yes. And because of that, I figured I better get out of the keys and go find a real job and get back into life again. So I moved back to Clearwater, which is where all my friends were and where my life had been. And I had a lot of sailing buddies. So I got into sailing and I wanted to give back. Yes. Um, Sailing had given me so much. I figured maybe sailing could help other people. Right. So I found a sailing program for people with disabilities, and I started volunteering for them. And they decided that they wanted to do a big fundraising project, and we talked about this a little bit. They wanted me to sail a 12-foot boat from St. Petersburg, Florida, to Camden, Maine, to raise money and awareness for sailors with disabilities, and... Once again, always being up for a challenge, I said, "Sure, let's do it." <laughs> All right, but I have wait. I've got to interject in here after reading after reading her book. I don't think I will ever get on a sailboat. Anyway, I just thought it was funny because Alder in her book says that she stays away from roller coasters because she doesn't like the feeling of not having control. Well, after reading your book. <laughs> to do sell my own sailboat because I wouldn't feel like I was in control. So it's interesting what individuals perceive as challenges or not challenging. But here's the thing is you need to explain to the audience that you were used to racing and crewing. Tell them a little bit about that because you really are an athlete. Well, I raced windsurfers initially. Yes. And was ranked nationally in the top five at one point. Oh, wow. You then, s- you, that wasn't in the book, I don't think. I don't know. Wow. I don't remember. Anyway, that's amazing. And then I got into racing the bigger boats and knew if I was going to learn to drive a bigger boat offshore, I was told you have to learn to sail a dinghy. So I bought a two-handed boat and I started racing with female crew. And the two of us became best in the Bay and the Gulf. Wow. um, Out of Clearwater, which was a lot of fun. And I sailed on another, on a man's boat in the Gulf of Mexico, Jeff Grossman. The boat was polyphonic, and I raced on his boat. And he was always so wonderful about anybody crewing on his boat, helping them to exceed their skills and grow their skills. Mm -hmm. And he let me drive his boat in the women's races off of Clearwater. 
I became the navigator and first mate on the first all-women's crew to do the St. Pete to Isla Mujeres race in 1995. I tell them where that goes to. That goes to a little <laughs> island off of Cancun called Isla Mujeres. It takes about four days to race from St. Pete to Isla Mujeres, and that was just an incredible experience and an incredible experience of increasing my confidence and my abilities offshore. So when I took on the challenge of the 12-foot boat, I was no stranger to sailing. I was no stranger to the weather or to navigation. So I knew what I was getting into that way. I was confident in my skills. Yes, as you should be. Mm -hmm. Now, when you go to do this, you accept the challenge the boat prevail, I believe, was made by a company in St. Augustine. Correct, Bauer. And mm-hmm. your group came up with the name Prevail mm-hmm. and decided that was the perfect name because the boat, the purpose of the boat was a mission. Yes. And it was to raise the awareness of disability. Mm-hmm. The th- part I liked is all the people that helped you to outfit your boat. So you had every GPS mechanism you needed. You had a motor. Mm-hmm. You originally wanted to have oars, right? but you didn't have oars. Mm-hmm. And then I'm amazed at all the other things. You change your own spark plugs when you needed to. When you pull into a port, you might need maintenance. So it was just amazing. And I, you were amazed, too, at the mm-hmm. outpouring of help. Even Nissan provided the motor for the boat. Yeah. The outpouring is the right word because the, the oh the gifts came to support this trip from everywhere it's like the whole community pulled together to make this mission happen Tom Casey with Sail Magazine just took me under his wing, and he knew everyone in the boating industry. This yes. was like the most technologically advanced 12-foot boat <laughs> ever. Right. In fact, there was things on there I didn't know how to work, yes. and the right people to teach me were put in the right place at the right, at the right time. time. Yes. And so that's when I knew I was being directed by a higher power. <laughs> Yes, and that's the sense I got from the book also, because it was amazing how the right person showed up at the right time to help you get to where mm-hmm. you needed to go. So I, I, what I enjoyed is and rotary played a part in your yes, trip, because correct. you would stop at the different sailing or yacht clubs along the way, and everyone was expecting you, because a lot of people were following this trip. This yes. was about 20 years ago. Yes, correct? it was. And I don't, I, we had email. Just barely. Just barely, <laughs> yes. So you had people meeting you at different places that you would stop. Some places you had a little tent you would put over your boat and sleep at mm-hmm. night. And then on the night set, I guess you just slept with your mosquito netting. Mm-hmm. You actually found the best thing was a flanneled backing <laughs> tablecloth tablecloth to sleep to, as your cover. Yes. Mm-hmm. So all these things one doesn't know. And believe it or not. Dryer sheets are great for keeping mosquitoes away. <laughs> yes. Who knew? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when you're explaining all that, you're going along your trip. So going around the Everglades, I have oh. a friend who does this in kayaks. Mm-hmm. And it's like a group of guys in their kayaks doing it. And when you were talking about going through the Everglades by yourself and trying to get through wanting to take the shortcut and then I guess a, a, a guide met you 
to help you, but he was kind of scary because he would. I was telling my husband, I said, "Oh my gosh, this guy that's supposed to be helping her every night, he tells her a crazy story, and she's wondering if he's a serial killer." <laughs> well, you know, Jimmy Buffett talks about those sharks that swim on the land. Yes. And what were the? And you were telling me that there are those pygmies that don't know where they are, or something. There was a joke about that. Yes, but, but and then. When, I, uh, well, I can talk a little yes, bit about going through the bit. Everglades. I mean, that was I got scary. down to the jumping off point at the end of Florida, where you jump off into the Everglades, and that was really going to be a week alone. And I mean, I had water, and I had fruit, and I had power bars, power bars and enough things to get me across. And I had extra gas to get me across. But that was really kind of going into the wilderness. Yes. A man who was part of the Bay Sailors, which was a single sailing club, I had spoken to this group before I left, and he said, oh, I go through the Everglades all the time. I guide people. I'd be happy to bring my boat down and sail with you part of the trip. And I was like, oh, good. Right, right. (laughs) And I met him out at this very lonely quay out in the Everglades, and we anchored out, and then he started telling me the history of this key, and it turned into like this horror story, and I got a little nervous. And then the next night, he tells me another horror story of the history of the keys. It was quite um, unsettling. Unsettling, but also the keys are kind of a law unto themselves down there and attract a lot of people that live marginally. Yes. So I was a little nervous if I was going to wake up dead the next day or not. (laughs) (laughs) And that sounds funny, but it's it's, it's just fascinating because you go past the the mansions and, Mm -hmm. and then you go to another area where people really have decided on a minimalist type Life and mm-hmm. they're an interesting group. And then you, I guess you run into two guys that tell you you can make it through the glades, but you got to go through Crocodile Island, and you might have to get out of your boat and push it. Right. All right. Explain that. Okay. When you get to Flamingo, there is a choice, and the major channel, the Intercoastal Waterway, goes down to Marathon and goes up to Key Largo, and that's the way everybody goes. Or you could go straight across to Key Largo, and I could cut off a couple of days doing that. And since my boat didn't draw much, it could float in just six inches of water, 12 inches of water, I knew I could go across the Everglades with the boat, but there's not much in the way of channel markers out there. There's not much in the way of support out there. And a lot of people said, don't do it. You're going to get lost. All those mangrove islands all look the same. Right. Don't do it. Well, when I was in Flamingo, I ran into a couple of old guys in the snack bar there, and they showed me which chart to buy, and they marked up my chart and said, oh, of course you can do this. It's no big deal. And we've got these PVC pipes with little arrows on them all the way across there. And these are the compass settings you need. You'll be fine. Because the charts don't work. They don't want people back there. And GPS and charts at that time 
were right. not charted there because they didn't want, want people. people. It's a crocodile sanctuary. Right. And you got out in the middle of Clark. Oh, yeah. I got out there because there was one place where the water got really shallow. They warned me about it. And if I went aground, I was going to have to get out and push the boat because just my weight getting off of this tiny right. boat let it float. Right. So I did that. Didn't see any crocodiles. Wow. but. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. And then you make it on your way to Miami. So let's pause there, and we'll continue with the story. And eventually we're going to get to the Cellability Organization and the many great things you're doing. But I love this story. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM 860, The Answer. I'm here with Alder Allensworth, the author of the recently published book, Prevail, Celebrate the Journey. She is also the co-founder of a nonprofit selling organization, Sellability Greater Tampa Bay, that provides sailing instruction and recreation to people of all ages and abilities. To reach Julie or any of the guests on today's show, call 813-816-2637. That's 813-816-2637. Or go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Special Needs Family Hour with Julie Ames on AM860, The Answer. To contact Julie, go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. That's specialneedsfamilyhour.com. Now, here's Julie Ames. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM 860, The Answer. I am here with Alder Allensworth, the author of the recently published book, Prevail, Celebrate the Journey. She is also the co-founder of a nonprofit selling organization, Sellability Greater Tampa Bay, that provides selling instruction and recreation to people of all ages and abilities. So we're discussing Alder's trip, starting from St. Pete. She's going around Miami. She's headed to Maine, and she's on the east coast of Florida, and all along the way, you're raising money. <laughs> You're raising awareness for those with special needs and different abilities <laughs> that, that sailing should be for all people. So explain to people, because I don't think people understand some of the risk you were taking, and you did not understand the risk you would be taking, but explain that, the intercoastal ways and all of that to them. I was in a 12-foot boat with a little 3.5-horsepower engine, so I didn't have a lot of speed, right. and it was hard for people to see me, especially if people were going pretty fast. Yes. And the, let I explain it like this. It's kind of like trying to be in a Vespa, our little scooter, <laughs> out on I-75 at oh. rush hour. So you've got all these big boats and trucks, but trawlers, trawlers, um, just all sorts of big boats coming by fast, big sport fishermen trying to get out to the fishing grounds. They throw huge wakes, and I'm in this itty-bitty tiny boat. Yes. I'm getting covered up with boat wakes. I'm avoiding being hit. Yes. And unfortunately... I had to most of the time stay in the intercoastal waterway. I had to stay close to land because that was the big point was right. to raise awareness and I needed to be seen. Right. A few places I could get out of the intercoastal if it was deep enough and do a little sailing, but most of the time I had to stay close to the intercoastal waterway, which meant I had to be paying attention to these big boats coming by. You know, it might be somebody out on a Sunday or Saturday afternoon who are 
partying and drinking and celebrating in their big powerboat speedboat. Yes. And not really seeing this little sailboat. <laughs> yes. Why are you tell me about that one incident? I think it was in the Carolinas where that man almost ran over you. Yeah. Well, there was more than one incident where you there almost got There was more written. than one incident. I'm like, which incident? <laughs> I know, I know. Well, there was a lot of incidents. Which one? But, that, but there was one in particular. He was where partying. He was partying and not paying attention. And I'm waving like a crazy person because I didn't have anywhere to go. Because if I went too far one way or the other, my boat would have gone aground because I was in a real narrow channel. And I'm waving and honking my horn. And he saw me at the last minute and swerved and missed me. It was too close for me. It was really scary. Yes. And that happened several times, maybe not quite that close a call, right. but close enough that, well, I had a friend who was out windsurfing in the intercoastal who was hit by someone out just partying <sighs> on their powerboat yes. and was severely injured. So you have to respect the water and respect yes. the boats. And when you're driving a boat, treat it with respect. Yes. And when you ran into, the, so when you got to the port, you ran into him. I did. <laughs> I ran into him at the next dock and he apologized upside down and one and the other. And I needed a place to stay that night. I had pulled into a marina to get some gas. He's like, I'm paying for your dockage here. (laughs) (laughs) So he did, and he bought me dinner. So that was really nice. Yes, yes. So along the way, so sometimes you're camping out, sometimes you're not. Sometimes you're able to stay with a host, Mm -hmm. or it might be at a yacht club where you're visiting, or Rotary Club where you're raising money and awareness. And at the same time, you have CNN tracking your trip also. So it was really a big deal. Yeah, that was so cool, pulling into Charleston, because that's where I learned to sail, that my dad was stationed there in the Navy, and to pull back into Charleston in this little boat, and I was welcomed, like red carpet treatment. Yes. And we found out that a program for people with disabilities, it was a sports program, was having a big fundraiser that weekend. Oh, wow. And we didn't even know that it had coincided. Somebody who happened to be on the dock saw us and told us about it. So they invited me to come and speak. Yes. And what a neat thing. And CNN was able to film that interaction and film me coming into Charleston and help promote their program for people with disabilities and yes. that was really a wonderful well cnn actually made a movie or well they did a segment meant. called american voices and is that available where people could access it i think you can still find that particular okay. segment it was shot back in 2000 yes and but American Voices is no longer produced okay. anymore, but I think you can find yes. it on the Internet. All right, let's tell them what happened. This is an amazing trip. You're asked to take this trip, and there you are. You're in the Carolinas, correct? Mm-hmm. And I'm in Moorhead City, and we had what they call a Bermuda High. was sitting over the whole East Coast, pumping about 20 to 25 mile per hour winds, Yes. Day after day, and even in the intercoastal, there were a lot of waves. Right. And you've been you've been at it for about ten to twelve weeks now. Yeah, I've been okay. living on this twelve foot boat for <laughs> ten weeks by this point. 
I pulled into a house um, on the intercoastal, nice house. They had their own dock, and they were my host for the night. And the wife had been through some pretty tough stuff in her life, and I think she recognized my exhaustion. Yes. And sometimes when you're doing something like that, you just keep pushing through. You just keep thinking, I'm going to get it out on the other side. It will get better. Right. But I had also heard that the sailing program that I was doing it for had stopped their community sailing program. We're no longer putting people with disabilities on so the water. So while you're gone on the trip, CNN is filming Everyone's has helped you immensely. The board decides they're not going to do it. Well, they're not going to continue with the community sailing program, program for people with disabilities. And that really disheartened me. Yes. They wanted to continue with their elite coaching program for Paralympic sailing, okay. but not for community. That had disheartened me. So I had a decision to make. Do I stay? Right. Do I keep going? Do I stop the trip? People are following the trip. Would I let people down? It was really a All heart-wrenching right. decision. So if people want that answer, they need to stick with us. And we'll give we'll tell them the answer <laughs> of what happens. Hi, I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM860, The Answer. I'm here with Alder Allensworth, the author of a recently published book, Prevail, Celebrate the Journey. To reach Julie or any of the guests on today's show, call 813-816-2637. That's 813-816-2637. Or go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Special Needs Family Hour with Julie Ames on AM860, The Answer. To contact Julie, go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. That's specialneedsfamilyhour.com. Now, here's Julie Ames. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM860, The Answer. I'm here with Alder Allensworth, the author of the recently published book, Prevail, Celebrate the Journey. She's also the co-founder of a nonprofit selling organization, Sellability Greater Tampa Bay, that provides sailing instruction and recreation to people at all ages and abilities. So, we're to the point. You're, you've sailed, you've, you're in the Carolinas, Moorhead. You find out that the program that you're selling for has been discontinued. You're exhausted. You really are exhausted, and you've been pushing forward because of the cause. Mm-hmm. And now you have a decision to make. Do you continue or not continue? Okay. I was hoping you would discontinue it. So you start the, So I go to the next chapter. Explain what happens. Okay. While I was in Moorhead City, I did take a breather and went home. And there's a book, one of my favorite sailing authors, Tristan Jones, and I just pulled it off the shelf. I was looking for inspiration. I opened it up, and this is the passage I read. It's better to personally help one cripple to launch a dinghy than to hammer oceans alone, or even with a few others. Better to give one limbless kid ten minutes of our time than conquer alone all the world's oceans. Through that one limping kid, maybe not directly, but by God's own path, and even through eons of time, we might conquer the stars. I have my answer. It was time for me to go home yes. and start a sailing program for people with disabilities in my hometown in Clearwater, Florida. All right, so let's talk about the program. We just have a few minutes here. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the program. There was a new boat that was developed. In Australia, okay. it's called an Access Dinghy. I learned about it in Miami. 
and I gone down to Miami for the first national championships in this boat and we had an opportunity to have some of the boats for the winter up in Clearwater. The city of Clearwater just said, sure, let's do it. We got all sorts of volunteers and donations, and we started our program. We ordered our own boats. The community once again gave us money to buy boats for people with disabilities, and we started sailing and teaching people of all abilities to sail. Yes, and you started, I guess you had your first uh, regala? Regatta. Regatta. Was, Thank you. The, actually, it was the second annual Access Dinghy Regatta because we had done the first in Miami. So right. this was the second. And they brought a young woman from Australia where they build the boats who is a quadriplegic on a ventilator. And she sails with her chin and the ventilator goes in a watertight compartment on the boat. This is amazing. So... We learned how to do this, and we decided we had to do this, too. Watching her sail and her ability, she just inspired us. Yes. So a man who was a veteran at the VA hospital, he decided he wanted to do it, too. Christopher Reef Foundation gave us a grant. Custom Mobility helped us outfit the boat. And the biomed engineering department at the VA, the nursing department, the rehab department, we all pulled together and we taught a gentleman, Lynn Morris, to sail. And he sailed with us for six years by himself, using his chin only. He's a ventilated quadriplegic, lived on a ventilator. We knew if the ventilator stopped, he had less than five minutes to live. So I was always a little bit nervous (laughs) when he was on the water, too. But we always had a safety boat, always had the backup equipment to take care of him if something did happen. Yes. It's always amazing the the confidence that people have that work in this field on so many levels. Well, and also his confidence in us. Oh, my goodness. And his belief, he said, you know, I've lived 30 years on a ventilator and I live in a hospital. Yes. If I was to die out on the water doing something I loved, then so be it. He says, what worse can happen to me? True. And he was such a man of faith, and he was just such an inspiration to all of us, and one heck of a sailor. We had a blast. Well, you know what's amazing to me is I read your book. There are so many people that we haven't had a chance to talk about. Amazing Paralympic sailors that mm-hmm. are extremely competitive, just as good as everybody else. It's just amazing. So not only if you read your book, you, I don't know, the whole spiritual journey, but there's also the many different, oh, there's just so many things you don't think about. But tell our audience, how can they get involved in your program and buy your book? Okay. My book is available on Amazon. So just put in Alder Allensworth or Prevail, celebrate yes. the journey, and it will come up. It's available Kindle, hardback, or hard copy, and also an audio so people with visual disabilities or people who are commuting can listen to it in the car. Okay, and then what about saleability? Saleability, you can find them on Saleability Greater Tampa Bay is on the web. They have a website, so just go and do a little search, and you'll come up with the 
website and they will have a way that you can go and sign up to do one of the monthly sales. Yes. Well, and you know experience needed. <laughs> I know. Oh my goodness. I think it'd be awesome to sell. I just don't know that I personally am <laughs> prepared to sell. <laughs> anyway, it's an awesome book. And even if you don't think you want to sell, if you want to sell, what a great book to read. If you know anyone that has unique abilities, what an awesome book because you introduce so many of your friends and they live all over the country, Canada. They live all over the world. So it's just so amazing. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm Julie Ames and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM 860 The Answer. Don't forget to sign up for the Special Needs Family Hour newsletter to get all the latest and greatest information. Our website is specialneedsfamilyhour.com. Please join us next Sunday afternoon at 1. Thank you for listening to the Special Needs Family Hour. If you've missed any part of today's program, you can get the podcast of this and every show at specialneedsfamilyhour.com. While there, please take advantage of the resources we've made available. And if you're so inclined, please support the advertisers that support this program. Special Needs Family Hour, Inc. is a nonprofit 501c3 organization. More than anything, just know that you are not alone. And we invite you to join us next Sunday at 1, only on AM 860. The Answer. The Answer.